Wrestling Tuesday, I'm Jonathan Hood. I am driving back from Hoffman Estates, Illinois, the site of AEW Rampage on Friday night on TNT. And I will tell you, this felt like a go-home show. <laughs> As I drive back to Chicago here on a rainy Friday night, hear the sounds of Darby Allen. That felt like a go-home show. There was some excitement and a pretty good crowd at the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates. AEW was there on Wednesday for Dynamite, as you well know. Rampage tonight as I record this on Friday night at 10.45. And, of course, All Out will take place Sunday exclusively on Bleach Report and Pay-Per-View. Interesting card tonight on Rampage. Miro comes out and he gets a big ovation and a big pop. That music, I have not heard that music. Maybe I just didn't pay attention to it on um, television. But uh, in the arena, it got a big pop. That guy gets a lot of respect. Is that because of his video game playing? I don't think it's because of that. I just think because of what he did in the WWE as Rusev and as Miro, he's like he's God's favorite wrestler. That's a that's a different gimmick. You don't get that every day in the past or uh, in the present. You don't get that, but you get that from Miro, God's favorite wrestler, and his matchup against Eddie Kingston. It's a contrast. That could be a hoss fight. And he had a little bit of physicality in Hoffman Estates tonight. I like it. Eddie Kingston also gets a lot of pops as well because he doesn't come across as a sports entertainer. He comes across as a wrestler. I think a lot of people respect that. So I look forward to uh, seeing exactly what that matchup is about for the TNT title. I think it's, a, it's, it's not a cold title, but it could be hotter, if you know what I'm saying. Like... You know, we, we've heard in the past, as a matter of fact, I heard Tony Khan say this in a conference call um, recently, that the Intercontinental title, he didn't say it by title name, but he did say there's a title in the WWE, WWE doesn't get a lot of acclaim, and it used to be a hot title, and now it's not, and he wants the TNT title to be that hot championship. And so he didn't say Intercontinental Championship by name, but I knew exactly what he was talking about. And he believes that the TNT title 
can be what the Intercontinental Championship used to be. And so we'll see about that. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see. I don't have any notes again. I'm just going to be talking off the top of my head as I drive through the raindrops here in Chicagoland. So I'm just getting out of Hoffman Estates here tonight on my way to Rosemont and all the way through into downtown Chicago. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. Um, you know, I would like to know more about Daniel Garcia's group. I think that they could be interesting, but here's the thing about AEW, and this is where I look at the company and I go, you have a lot of talent, but here's what the WWE does well and AEW has to learn. Like, you've got to be able to tell us why we are watching a certain talent, right? You can put a talent on, but there's but usually the announcers have two, three, four bullet points about each wrestler. You may not like the wrestler, you may not like the program that they're in, you may not like the, the creative that they're in, but at least you know who they are. And again, for someone who is as busy as I have been, I just don't have time to watch all of Dark and all of you know the ancillary shows that AEW has, the YouTube shows, to know who that group is with Daniel Garcia. I think they're interesting. I just don't know enough about them, and I don't know enough about them to know why Daniel Garcia and his group just continues to be on either Rampage or Dynamite. Clearly, they're getting over, especially with those in the back. I just don't know why, and I don't know anything about that. Yeah, just three young, hungry lions that want to wrestle and get on CM Punk, and they want to beat up Darby Allen. And okay, that's cool. I, I'd sting. I, I just don't know what else I need to know about them. Why? Why should I be interested in them? And so that's the key to wrestling, right? You can have Joe Blow as a wrestler on AEW, and Joe Blow wrestles well on Rampage or he wrestles well on Dark and Elevation. But at the same time, I don't know why I should be connected to him unless there's a video package, unless the announcers explain it to us. Like, I don't know. I know who those three guys are. I don't know why they continue to be in main event spots or why they continue to be on my television. So Daniel Garcia took on Darby Allen tonight. That was the main event on Rampage. It was kind of like... Okay, it's a feature match for Darby Allen. CM Punk came out and he did commentary, which obviously the crowd did not hear in Hoffman Estates. Point is, though, is that he came out, he did another stage dive, he dove into the crowd again on Rampage. Now it's just become like, wow, what is he going to do, right? I like the unpredictable Punk. That's not a bad thing, right? I didn't know what he was going to do, and he, he got into, dove into the crowd again. But he got a nice ovation. Again, the metric stick is the United Center. Nothing's going to beat the United Center, but Milwaukee was a little bit of a lower, uh, you know, lower register as far as crowd noise. Hoffman Estates, at least what I saw tonight, a little better than Milwaukee. Um, I'm not saying that fans are tired in Chicagoland of, of CM Punk, but they're waiting for the next big moment. The first big moment was him coming out for the first time in seven years. Now, what's the next big moment? He beats Darby Allen, wrestles Darby Allen. You know what happens after that matchup so I think that the crowd is waiting for that and, uh, and so am I as a fan of CM Punk but point is though is that you know, Darby Allen wins and he took some hellacious bumps I'm like dude you could have saved a couple of those bumps uh, for all out against CM Punk he just just threw himself over the top of the 
a ringside table where Justin Roberts was. It's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, really? Why? <laughs> just, he just, he loves pain, which I, I can dig. I get that. I have seen wrestlers that like, that seem like they really enjoy pain and, you know, beating themselves up. One of them being Cactus Jack at one point or Mankind. He also was beating himself up and tearing his hair out of his head just because he likes the pain or wants to show you he likes the pain. Uh, Raven was like that. Kevin Sullivan was like that. So I, I totally understand. It's just, um, you know, uh, who's the guy? Uh, Joe LaDuke was like that. He cut himself with an axe, cut his bicep with an axe on national, on, well, on Memphis TV in 1982 or so. Like, likes the pain. Wants to show you likes the pain. It's crazy, right? Um, but Darby Allen falls in that same category as wrestlers that just are a little bit off, a little bit off-center, and I think that's cool because it separates you. Here's what I noticed about Darby Allen: When he was in peril and when he was in some pain, you can see it on his face. And that is a far step from where he was even six months ago. You can tell that some of the agents, the, um, the agents or the producers, whatever they call them in AEW in the back, I guess they call them coaches, you can just tell that they're working with some of this young talent um, because it is good for... Darby Allen to kind of show like, hey man, I know I like a lot of pain, but if I'm in pain, I'm going to show you that it hurts. You know, it's, it's it's the art of selling. It's like a movie, it's like a TV show, anything else. If the good guy's in trouble, you want to see it etched on his face. I made that point, by the way, on Busted Open last Saturday. If you missed Mark Herring and I doing our show together, I was in for Ryan McKinnell. We did uh, the Saturday edition of Busted Open on Sirius XM. And I made the point about uh, Jungle Boy, and like Mark went right to, right to commercial. I thought that was very. I think it was fascinating that Mark, who now works at AEW, I made a. I made not necessarily a criticism, but an observation about Jungle Boy. Uh, and I said, you know, it's funny. Jungle Boy is the same face, whether or not whether he gets punched in the face, whether he is on top of somebody, beating the hell out of somebody, whether he wins or loses, it's the same face. And, like, Mark immediately just kind of took the wheel from the show and threw it to break. And I just told him during the commercial, I go, dude, like, what I'm telling you is what I want to see as a fan. If you are in trouble, I should know that. Just like any movie or TV show that I watch. Uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, we're working with Hood, you know. We're working with this young talent. They're further along than they were a year ago, six months ago. I was like, I get it. But it's still a work in progress for some of these guys. A lot of these guys from the independents. Or these guys did not have national TV or any TV to perform in front of. And so I'm not bashing the talent because they're young and have to learn. I will bash talent that doesn't want to listen to some of these veterans. Like, who doesn't listen to Paul White or Mark Henry or Billy Gunn? Who doesn't listen to Jim Ross and some of these other guys, Tony Schiavone, uh, Jerry Lynn, all these other people that are in the back? Not necessarily the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. I mean, they're EVPs, and that's fine. But you have agents back there to be able to say, hey, I've been there, done that, and you could be able to do this and get over. So try this, try that, because there's a lot of experience in the back. That's why you hire agents. Uh, but from what I understand, there are some that don't want to hear it, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, if you're going to blow off agents and you think that you know and you're still in the same spot in the company, why do you think that is? You gotta be able to respect people that have been there before you. You Gotta do that. You could take apart some of the things that 
an agent will tell you and then use it for your own. So I, I don't know. I just find that interesting. Whoa, that's a bad wreck on 294. Holy boy. You ever drive and you see an accident on the side of the road and you wonder, how did that car turn the wrong direction? Why is that car turned upside down? Why is that car on fire? Like, I'm not sticking around to find out, but you look over. I'm looking over to my left and it's like, Got two cars that are just total on the left side with police there. It's crazy. Um, so, again, watching Rampage, as far as the crowd was concerned, um, yeah, that was, it was, uh, I would say, 70% full for Rampage. And that is because you already had Wednesday Dynamite rampage tonight and then of course all out is going to be is already sold out those tickets have been sold for a while uh but a friday rampage on a holiday labor day friday it took me almost two hours from the city to get to hoffman estates i didn't mind i mean look i i was able to take my time and get through and actually probably made it a little bit ahead of time uh getting to hoffman estates but it's labor day weekend and there's people trying to travel so that was tough a little rain too I got there. That's not a problem. But uh, I got to the arena, and then I was watching the dark tapings, and then I watched uh, Rampage. And I was like, "Whoa, that's is it for the crowd? No one else is coming in." But you know, for me as a wrestling fan, I've always thought like this: like I don't care who's not there. I just care that I'm entertained. Uh, but I'm just reporting to you. If you're wondering, was it a sellout? It was not uh, for Rampage. Upper deck. In a lot of areas in Upper Deck, no fans there. Uh, in certain pockets of the second level, not a lot of fans there. And by the way, the the way that the now arena used to be the Sears Center, and I've worked there at Sears Center for about three years doing Windy City Bulls basketball, uh, and I've been in that arena when it was Sears Center, and now that it's a now arena, the way the configuration is set up, they're not blocked off seats for the set. As a matter of fact, it's kind of like in a dead area in the now arena, in the back of the arena. So it wasn't like they had obstructed seats or, you know, they had to tape, taper off certain seats. No, it was just the seats that are available are what they are. Uh, obviously added seats on the floor where the Windy City Bulls G League basketball team plays. Yeah, of course, they took the floor up for tonight's event. Uh, but, yeah, it was wasn't like there was seats that, well, you got to you know, get rid of 5,000 seats because of production. No, it was it was what it was. Uh, and I just think that, that, you know, this is one of the reasons why, and I read this, that AEW will be, uh, be at Orlando, Florida, uh, and I believe it's at the old Impact Zone. I believe that's where they're going to be doing their Rampage. Uh, let me think now. I believe, and again, I would have this in front of me if I had the internet in front of me to read this off. But I'm just driving and trying to remember. I believe Elevation and Dark will take place at where TNA used to wrestle at the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. I believe that's the case. And I don't know if Rampage is part of that or not. But I know that they have... TV tapings in Orlando, and so my point of telling you that is, is that, you know, you have Dynamite on Wednesday, you have Rampage on Friday, the pay-per-view on Sunday, and it's kind of like, 
they didn't wear the AEW did not wear out this city. They didn't wear out Chicago. But I think that fans picked and choose and like, well, I want to see Dynamite because I want to see CM Punk. Friday, will Punk be there? Well, you know, he did commentary, but he didn't wrestle. And he didn't do any pro he didn't do a promo. So people are probably like, okay, well, I can just wait until all out on Sunday or I'll take a break and don't go to, to Rampage. But yeah, it was a, a loud strong crowd not very strong but a strong enough crowd to, for television and uh, but it was not a sellout and so um, I think people just decided to wait for All Out to get there at the same venue at the Hoffman Estates but I know again good family crowd that was there if it was a house show uh, any company would be pleased with that crowd because again just from my eyes it looked like it was about 70-75% full um else stood out? Oh, let me think here. Chris Statlander, right? Does anybody believe that Chris Statlander can defeat Britt Baker? I don't think anyone believes that. Just like I did not believe Red Velvet could defeat Britt Baker. See, here's what's happened. Britt Baker is one of the more dominant female wrestlers in the business. Not just AEW, but in the business. She's the AEW Women's Champion. And she's got Jamie Hayter around her. She's got um, Reba around her. So that's cool, right? I mean, that's great that she's got two women around her and she's a champion. So almost like uh, the you know, the Four Horsemen, Freebirds, anything, that kind of ilk where you have people around you to defend, to defend the champion. I think that's cool. Okay, cool. But I'm trying to figure out, like, who's going to be a real contender for this AEW Women's Championship now that Britt Baker has it back. I mean, great promo uh, and a, a wrestler that's on, on the come. I, I, don't, I haven't seen a five-star match from her yet. I'm not sure if I saw a four-star match from her yet, but I like her a lot. I like her persona. I like that she has women around her for protection, But and I think she's had some really solid matches, but not great just as of yet. And it's not necessarily about her as much as it's about the opponent for her to have a five-star match. Because she's got all the intangibles, like all the things that you like about a women's wrestler. I just like to see her, like Chris Statlander, she won a handicap match against Reba and um, and Jamie Hayter. It's like, okay, she won a handicap match. So on Sunday, is she winning the championship? No. I don't think she's, I think she's gotten better than the first time I saw her, um, you know, pre-injury, but I'm not sure that she is championship material yet. Same thing with uh, Red Velvet, who came out there again to try to save uh, Satlander on a beatdown. I'm like, well, okay, you're coming out there, and she got booed when she's out there. Because even Chicago does, okay, here comes Red Velvet again. Uh, yeah, she has a winning record. Yeah, she won some matches, but not over yet. And one loss record's tricky, man. A lot of, lot of wrestlers on Elevation and Dark have won a lot of matches. But are they over yet? And how long will it take for them to get over? A lot of young wrestlers on that roster. I keep saying that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of young wrestlers. A lot of moves. A lot of, oh my God, a lot of holy shit uh, type of moves. But are you over? That's the question. And so... Um, Red Velvet came out there, and there's a little bit of a little booing there when she came out because fans don't believe in her, and so she's got to get better so fans can believe in her. 
uh, with winds on dynamite if that's the direction they're going. Let's see. Let me think now, because there's a number of dark matches that I saw that I will not comment on. I'm not going to do spoilers here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I never do, because you can read about those yourself. They're always on the internet. I don't need to talk about them. You can watch them. There's a couple of things on Dark I like, but I'm not going to talk about on this podcast. I'll just focus in on um, AEW as far as Rampage and, of course, All Out. So, what happens to FTR now? Again, as I'm, if you, I'm just driving, and so I'm just have random thoughts because I don't have a format. Or I really never do. I don't have notes in front of me, so I'm just driving in and talking to you as if you were at the event with me, as if you and I are in my car right now, side by side, talking about AEW coming back from the matches, right? Making the towns. And by the way, if you did, if you missed my interview with uh, Tony Khan going to the archives at TWT. Great conversation with Tony. He had limited time. I had so many other things to ask him. He had limited time, but he gave me, I don't know, 16 minutes, 17 minutes, and he was very thoughtful in his answers. And so I appreciate him giving me time. It's the first time ever he's been on TWT. My interview with Jim Ross, uh, interview with CM Punk, it's all there in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right. Um, what was I, where was I going with this? What was I, uh, oh, FTR. Are they leaving AEW? Do you know? Are they leaving? You know, that's my favorite tag team in AEW. It was my favorite tag team in WWE. It was my favorite tag team over the last three or four years in wrestling, period. Because they dared to be different. They didn't have a lot of flippy moves. They didn't do a lot of stuff where did you see in the common in the modern day and it made them unique because they weren't flipping over the top rope because they just told you that they were professional wrestlers and they want they need to have a tag rope and they want to show you tag team rules and all this kind of stuff it was a throwback i loved ftr but they lost this past wednesday on dynamite on the opening matchup against santana and ortiz and i'm like you know i kept reading social media or a dash or a cash and also Dax Harwood was kind of like oh you know maybe the last run this is the last run for us you know and all that kind of stuff I'm like last run are they leaving the company I hope they're not leaving the company but you know it's interesting how the Young Bucks just squashed FTR that's supposed to be like a dream match right the Young Bucks against FTR and we did see that match, but what happened was Young Bucks was like, yeah, FTR's not the best. We're going to take these tag team champions, and we're going to push them off on other programs. Bye-bye. And that was the end of that. And it was like, well, what the hell? I want to see that. I want to see that match ten times. But we didn't get that because the Young Bucks, because they are the elite, they get the tag team championships. And, and by the way, like, if you love the Young Bucks, that's fine. I'm not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks. I feel like I've seen their match a hundred times. Uh, the type of Young Bucks match. And to me, I just think that you have to be able to have a little bit of uh, flexibility in how you wrestle. And I just think the Young Bucks, now it's starting to be go-away heat for me. In a good way, because they want to be heels and they're trying really hard. And the strut coming out of the, out of the tunnel and 
you know, just saying things and all that, you know, it's good, it's fine, I mean, if it's, but it can be go away heat also. They are trying so badly to be heels, and uh, it's interesting. So, I heard that Nick Jackson, or was it Matt Jackson, one of the Jacksons, uh, had their shoes stolen at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, their Louis Vuitton shoes. Hey, morons, why don't you wear them through the airport? Don't you, I mean, look, nobody should have their shit stolen, but I find it interesting that they would pack it in their bag and then come to find out their their shoes are stolen. $7,000 Louis Vuitton, legit, as a shoot? Why would you put that in your bag? If, it, if I had those shoes, I, myself, would be wearing them. <laughs> they ain't gonna steal them off my feet. Not at the airport, maybe in the streets of Chicago, but not in the airport. So I thought that was a dumb story. But my point is, is that um, I'm very interested in seeing where FTR is going. Where are they going after this? Are they staying in the company? They said, like, last ride. I'm like, Impact Wrestling? New Japan? Sorry, I had had a water break. Ah, that's good. Um, But where are they going after this? I don't know. So I look forward to All Out. I think it's going to be an interesting card. Um, just seeing CM Punk back in the ring for the first time in 70 years is great. Yeah, it's funny, Darby Allen. If Darby Allen loses, it's not going to take anything off of him. It's CM Punk's first match. But it's kind of like, boy, you know, you like to see that down the road as well. As CM Punk, like, builds momentum through the company. I'm sure there'll be bigger matches down the line, but... Darby Allen and CM Punk will be very interesting. And see if Sting will have some kind of involvement in this matchup as well. So I look forward to that. I think that uh, I think that we're going to see the Lucha Brothers be the new tag team champions. Something tells me that they're going to be the new champions against uh, the Young Bucks. I believe that's the match on Sunday. I look forward to seeing that matchup. I think that should be a lot of fun. I've seen them wrestle before. And I, I just think that... You know, if CM Punk's out in the company, Lucha Brothers getting some of the biggest pops in AEW. And I noticed that in Chicago at Rampage. Um, I'm sorry, let me think. Rampage? Yeah, at Rampage. I noticed that when Lucha Brothers came out, there was this huge pop for them. Like, wow, CM Punk wasn't here. That would probably be the big, one of the biggest pops of the night. So I, I just thought that was, uh, that was really cool. So, what happens when Christian falls short against Kenny Omega? I saw what happened on uh, Wednesday from Hoffman Estates. I saw what happened on Dynamite. And how it was like this heel, you know, beat down. The cage came down. Kenny Kenny Omega's on the mic the entire time. That was annoying. But that's kind of the heel that he's trying to become. And so to think about Christian against Kenny Omega, I don't doubt that's going to be a really good match. I just don't see how uh, Christian can win and lightning strike twice. I don't see that happening. But that could be fun, though. Because the first one, the first match, the opening Rampage show, it's like, wow, Christian wins the Impact Championship. Like, no one saw that coming. I don't think Christian was a favorite at all in that matchup, and it happened, so I thought that was good. And just thinking about the card just all the way throughout, I think that 
all out should be really, really good. I know there's a lot of media coming. I know the Fan Fest is uh, this weekend. It was uh, on Friday afternoon and again on Saturday. So, once again, not a surprise that Chicago, Illinois is a wrestling capital of the world. I have some inside knowledge for you. I heard through a source that Impact Wrestling is coming to Chicagoland, but not in Chicago. I believe this fall they'll be, I think they're negotiating to come to the Hammond Civic Center. I know Ted Z is a P1 of this podcast, and if you're listening, Teddy, I think they're going to be in your backyard, Hammond, Indiana, at the Civic Center. Great old-school venue for wrestling back in the 70s and 80s. A really good you know, spot show arena. Uh, but you can pack 5,000 people in there and it gets loud. Especially, they're Indiana people, but also pretty much Chicagoans as well. So if Impact Wrestling comes, that'd be good for them to actually get on the road and do something. And last thing that's on my mind is thinking about free agency, right? I, I don't know if I've talked about this, so I figure I'd talk about it now as I drive through Alsip. Oh, the swap was closed. That's too bad. I wanted to get some old baseball cards. Um, I'm thinking about free agency, right? So the obvious is, is that you are not going to see Adam Cole in WWE anymore because what happened in NXT? As a matter of fact, the NXT after TakeOver, you saw, you saw or heard very little about Adam Cole in this match against Kyle O'Reilly. There's a reason. It's because Adam Cole's out of there. So Adam Cole to NX to uh, AEW, what does that look like? Is he immediately on top? Is he just an attraction? Is he a mid-card guy? What is Adam Cole in AEW? Now keep in mind, everybody can't get over in AEW. You know, everybody can't get over. Adam Cole wouldn't be over, sure. But exactly what position would he be in in AEW? Adam Cole, a free agent, officially. And what a shame, too. It's another drop ball by Vince McMahon at the WWE. That guy was one of the more over guys in the company, and more than likely he will not be coming back to the WWE. So what about him in AEW? I think that'd be awesome. And once again, I'll say this once again on this podcast, it's too bad that MLW and the NWA and Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling and New Japan, uh, United States, or some other super indie cannot muster up enough money to put together to get one of these hot free agents. It's ridiculous. It really is. This should not be a two or two and a half course race. This is this is ridiculous. It should be a lot. It should be talent across the board for everyone to watch, everyone to enjoy. And I'm talking about these old WWE cast-offs, too. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It is sinful for, for Ring of Honor. As good as that roster is, as young as that roster is, some of the best promos in the business are from Ring of Honor. But you can't score one of these big free agents? Can't do it, huh? Anyway. So I think about him. I think about Ric Flair. Ric Flair is at the NWA. I'm still getting through the NWA show. I have not done the podcast on that here on TWT yet. I hope to get to that sometime over the weekend to give you my thoughts on the NWA and their pay-per-view from St. Louis at the Chase. But Ric Flair, uh, you know, well, could be a, is a free agent definitely and go can go anywhere because he's Ric Flair. 
water break. So, that is someone that could be an AEW as a mouthpiece. Braun Strowman. Where's Braun Strowman lately? Where is he going? Brian Danielson, rumored to be an AEW. Maybe debuting in New York, which would be awesome. The point is, though, is that when each one of these dynamite shows, rampage shows, pay-per-views, and there could be a lot of talent all coming to AEW, calf sauce, and, you know, Bray Wyatt, another one. Bray Wyatt could be in New, J- New Japan and just take it over, but if the money's right in AEW, why wouldn't you take it? And you have a, really, I think, a talent-friendly promoter in Tony Khan that will allow you to do whatever the hell you want to do, which I find interesting as well. It's not as stringent and not as tough as the WWE as far as Vince twisting your creative into something silly or twisting something that's going nowhere. You know, it's up to... I always say it's up to the talent to get something over. Well, it's also up to the talent to say, this is what I want to do. And if management says no, then that is a major problem. Um, but my, but I, all these other free agents that are available, I think will be very interesting to see. They all come to AEW. Has AEW work with them? Now, let me just point this out as well. While I'm driving and talking to you, I might as well point this out. This is on my mind. Tony Khan is a wrestling nerd like I am, and like many of my friends and many of you listening. To the point where you remember old old cards, old matches. You remember uh, matches that you were at, cards that you were at. Well, Tony Khan has got like this memory about wrestling that a lot of people do not have, where he can tell you chapter and verse about certain cards and will tell you about certain wrestlers and a lot of different eras of wrestling. Well, that's cool. So he knows about WCW because I heard his recent conference call uh, with the media. I was on that conference call on Thursday. And uh, I was listening to him talk about WCW and try to not, not trying not to make the mistakes WCW made. And it's kind of like, okay, so if you watch WCW, you know the mistakes that were made. And as you see this AEW roster get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, all of a sudden some talent gets lost in the shuffle. That happened to WCW because it was so Goldberg and NWO uh, heavy that they forgot about Luchadors other than Rey Mysterio. Uh, they forgot about the Chris Jerichos. They forgot about the Dean Malinkos. They forgot about the Chris Benoit's. They forgot about the Bret Hart's. They forgot about some of these other talents that was WCW talent that when you look back, you're like, boy, look how great this talent was. Look how underutilized it was. And WCW closed the doors. If you're AEW... It's more than just the veterans. It's more than just ex-WWE talent. I hope that, that Tony Khan understands, like, he's got to cultivate some of this young talent and get it over. It's one thing for Kenny Omega and Miro and the Young Bucks, you know, to be champions. But it's also up to Tony Khan to develop MJF and more Britt Baker and more Dante Martin and more of these other young talents and get them ready. I mean, sure, like, you've got Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy and, you know, Darby Allen. That's great. But you got to put them in positions where people know exactly who they are. Five words or less, who are, this, who are these talents? 
you, you just can't roll them into a ring and like, here's so-and-so, a first and last name, and they wrestle and they do the same shit you see in two hours of other matches on the same show. They have to be kept unique and different. And they have to stand out in some way, shape, or form. So that's so, I think, very important for Tony Khan and AEW. You don't want to be, hey, you don't want to be WCW? Then find a way not to be WCW. Don't ignore young talent. Yes, the veteran talent will get you in the door as far as ratings. The CM Punks, the Miros, the Jerichos. That's great. But you've got to make sure that the talent is 30 and younger. And that's a ton of it on this roster that a number of them get over. That they become stars. Not AEW stars, but professional wrestling stars. There's a big difference. There's a WWE superstar, and that's anybody, right? That's anybody could be a WWE superstar. There's no one above someone else besides Roman Reigns. But when you're AEW, it's important for AEW to establish who the young talent is and the young talent that's going to get over. That where you could say, here is AEW and it's going to be Darby Allin against so-and-so. And that's on the marquee and that's the main event and that's the draw. AEW is good for now by saying all elite wrestling's in town. But you have to be able to have frontline stars for people to say, oh, who, look who's on the marquee. It's this person against this person or this tag team against this tag team. That's at the top of the card. I'm going to buy a ticket along with the other wrestlers on AEW. But definitely I'm, I'm going to go because of this match. Not just because the circus is in town like the WWE, but you got to be able to have marquee names where people could say, I'm going to see this match because of this wrestler or these set of wrestlers. That's important. All right, my friends. As always, I appreciate your support. I uh, I sent a tweet out because I didn't realize this until I encountered it. So I did 16 uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcasts in the month of August. I've never done 16 wrestling podcasts. I'm not like Conrad Thompson cranking out a podcast a day. You know, I'm not I'm not that guy, and I'm not Dave Meltzer and Brian Al Brian Alvarez. So I, I 16 podcasts. You think wrestling's hot? You think wrestling's hot in Chicago? I did 16 podcasts. I look back and I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of podcasts. And you know what? Because of your support, the podcast continues to grow more and more. So I really appreciate it as always, and. Uh, We'll review All Out here pretty soon. We'll talk about All Out and also some of the other storylines and stories around professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you have a great, safe holiday during this Labor Day weekend. And uh, I look forward to talking more wrestling. Let's see if I can break my record. Can I get 17 podcasts in the month of September? I don't know. I'll keep driving and keep listening to Darby Allen. Crazy, right? Thanks for listening.